Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, we are re- recording here in a very rainy uh, Halifax, thank God, after the craziness of all of last week. And you know, um, it's, it was a much needed down downpour that we got. So uh, yeah, um, that's why we kind of didn't have a show last week. We just thought it would be best just to kind of let everything just settle. And because, uh, you know, two idiots talking about football while all that other uh stuff was happening kind of football pales into insignificance really so um so we had the pacific game which was kind of like our comeback game and then we had the game against ottawa on saturday so gary i just thought we would uh just look kind of delve into the into the ottawa game first and then maybe just touch a little bit on the pacific game but before we do that how are you doing man i'm good i'm good i'm enjoying like I've got my I've got my window open, so you might be able to hear the pitter patter of rain in the background, and I'm hoping it creates like like kind of like those mid two thousand lo fi indie records, like some of the Iron and Wine EPs and things like that. I'm hoping it creates a similar effect to that, so we we sound quite edgy and well edgy twenty years ago anyway. It'll be like a uh, Riders on the Storm with a door, it's just a little exactly. rain rain back. <laughs> yeah, so- who's Jim Morrison? Are you and I? Hopefully you. You've got the moves. I, I definitely don't. Uh, <laughs> you, you do a lot, a lot more drugs. So it's probably you. Uh, <laughs> so um, th- this game was coming off the back, as you said, in the Pacific game. So kind of just wanted to kind of, kind of do the usual, kind of look at like how we set up, where kind of each player was kind of uh, playing. Because it's so weird. Like when you look at um, online, like it'll say that the Wanderers <laughs> played a four-five-one, but that doesn't seem quite right because that's not the way you normally play. So. Uh, what kind of system are we playing and um, where did most people where, where did the players kind of fit into that system here I think I think I'm glad you asked that first because I think I think we're at the point now where results are kind of defining us in the way the league and the wider co- conversation around the league and the club happens and we're getting really defined by results and I think that question is good because it allows us to re-establish who we are who we want to be, and then to kind of look at that space in the middle of those two things to figure out what's stopping us from getting there, what's going right and what's going wrong and all of those things. So who are we? We are, we're a 4-3-3 team who builds in a 3-2-5 shape. So we build with two centre-backs and one of the full-backs, and then the two at the base of the midfield are either a double pivot or one of the fullbacks will tuck in alongside the six and the front five, we play with two tens and a central striker and two wingers. So I think everyone knows we try and form a diamond or a box in the middle of the pitch. Again, that's done with either a double pivot to form the base of the box. And then the upper part of the box will either be two tens or one ten, and the wider tackle will tuck in. Like it changes every game. And Patrice has talked about that in interviews, how, they want to be unpredictable. So teams can't guess their lineups. So that's kind of our structure. 
we're basically this whole thing about positional play, like Pep Guardiola, Deserbi, Arteta. Positional play, the idea is that players have areas on the pitch where they operate, they have roles within those positions, and also lots of pattern play. So automations, patterns we work on in training. So every time the fullback gets the ball, he knows which two passing options he's got. They know who to then pass it to after that. So that's what we're trying to be. Like that's that's kind of the end goal of that is a really, really high possession-based team who can control games, who control the ball. And that's what we're aiming for. We're not there yet, though, because this is new for all of these players to play like this. Well, not for all of them, because the Vaughan players were playing like this last year, but for most of the squad, it, this is a whole new way of playing. So that's who we want to be. We want to control games. And within the context of Saturday's game, we did that by having, obviously, Jan in goal. We have Nimic and Loffrey are our two centre-backs. Of those two, Nimic is the one that likes to step out of his hole and engage high up the pitch. Loffrey then tucks in behind him and sweeps. Um, we had Ruby at left-back, who was kind of more of a left centre-back because he was part of the three. And then on the right-hand side, we had Fernandez as right-back and Ferrazzo as right-winger. And I'm kind of mentioning them both together because Ferrazzo is a right-winger who tucks right inside and becomes the upper part of the box. If Ferrazzo plays right back, he's a right back that tucks in and becomes the lower part of the box. So he kind of tucks in whatever. And then Fernandez as the right back is incredibly attacking, plays as high up the pitch as he can. If you look at his heat map, he's basically playing as a right forward. Yeah. Um, that's where he is most <clears> of the game. But he, he's he's nominally our right back. Um, two tens were Geraldo and Rampy. Left side was Timoteo. I thought Timoteo in this game had a lot of defensive responsibilities because particularly in the first half, Bassett and Assi were playing really, really close together and were just trying to work us down that left hand side, sorry, down their right hand side, um, like in behind Ruby. So Timoteo was having to do a bit of defensive work to counter that because they were really overloading us down there. And then we had um, Ferrin as the striker. And it's been quite surprising to see him there so often because we have Kosi, who's a striker, Coimbra, who's a striker, Cologne, who's a striker. But there's obviously something Ferrin is offering, which has made Patrice and Jordan and Jed want to play play Massimo there as well. So that's kind of our of our structure. Um I, I can I can see where I can see where we where we want to be, but for a number of reasons I'm sure we'll get into today. Like, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, just talking about, like, Ruby and uh, Timoteo on that on our left side there, right side, obviously. You, you said that Bassett and Assi were kind of... It was it was almost like there was a, a prolonged attack on Jake Ruby, really. So do you think that they picked that out beforehand, that he was going to be maybe a weak spot for us? Because the thing with Ruby is that, like, you know, he's very versatile, but in certain situations, like versatility will go against you because it's still not your preferred position. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was anything to do with him necessarily, because as I mentioned, because we're changing our lineup so often, I don't think any opposition coach can reliably predict who's going to be playing. So I think it was more I think they swapped at halftime, actually. And I think they started to attack the space behind Fernandez after halftime because they noticed he was playing so advanced for us. And Ferrazzo was kind of doing more of a central midfield thing. So there were huge areas of spaces behind Fernandez. So I think first half, they probably guessed that Ferrazzo would be playing left back and tucking in. So they game plan was, right, we'll just attack that space. Bassett, you peel wide right. Assi, you play close to him, look for like little one-twos and 
run around the corner. But then when they realised it was Fernandez, they started targeting that area of the pitch as well. So, yeah, I think it's more, it's not really a great secret that, and I mean, we've spoke about this for months now, like it's no great secret that all of the space on the pitch against us is wide in wide areas particularly where our fullbacks are normally standing because they have such specialized roles like one of our fullbacks plays as an auxiliary attacker one of our fullbacks plays as an auxiliary center back neither of them really play as actual fullbacks so that's where the space is and I think Ottawa just yeah they just targeted there so you you mentioned obviously Massimo the the last two games has played played a front and obviously we needed a change after the York game but like from watching them in the game here against Ottawa, like what do you think it is that they're seeing that he's bringing? Because my my thoughts a little bit is that when you have a player like that, his brain isn't, he's not making a lot of the runs to the near post or where a traditional striker will go because he Mm. doesn't, he's not thinking that way. Um, And I think um, we tend to miss a lot of those kind of balls across the box, the six yard box where you'd expect a striker to just be there and tap it in. Um, but obviously he just brings other qualities because he's almost like a false nine where he can just spray the ball around and stuff like that. But uh, what, what what do you think they're seeing and um, uh, how do you think that he's stacking up? I quite like him there, actually. I, I really, I completely agree with you, actually, where... So yeah, like like you said, like uh, we've it's happened quite a few times recently where a ball has been flashed across the box and there's been no one there on the end of it. And if you're playing with more of a traditional centre forward, then that person should be in those sorts of areas. But I feel like he's there for build up rather than to finish. I think the players that are going to finish the moves for us will be the wide forwards. And you even saw it was Fernandez that nearly nearly got on the end of that box yep. across yep. that ball across the box, wasn't it? Like they're the players that are arriving in those positions because our centre forward is doing work in the build up rather than rather than there. And I think. There's little flashes with Ferrin where he'll get it with his, he'll get it like will have been under pressure. It'll be cleared to him on the edge of the halfway line. He'll get it with his back to their goal and he'll jink it past someone, beat a player. And suddenly you look at, you're looking at him thinking there's, there's like, there's a level to this player that he could get to centrally. And I, I really like him from the left as well, by the way, but centrally there is, there is stuff he can do and he kind of fits into the whole one brain thing doesn't he because he he like psychologically and philosophically sorry i should say he is he's he's playing that sort of connection game with lots of passes and lots of patterns and that's what he wants to do so i i i get it because he ticks those boxes but yeah there are moments in the game where you're like Oh, we they've got a low block. We're not we're not able to play through them. We just need someone big in the box who we can just lump it into and try and score from a header. And that yeah. that like that's what you'd want the plan B to be. And I think to be fair, they they go to that plan B later in games. But there are games when I think you need someone like Coimbra there, who's a who's who's a big old he's a big boy, isn't he? Just stick yeah. him there and aim for him in those moments. Yeah, like there was one really good chance he created for himself, I think, in the second half. And Aiden Daniels, I'm talking about Farron, sorry. Mm. He kind of whipped it into mm. him with his back to goal and he did like a little swivel thing and he had a pretty decent shot. So like you can see that he's got the skill to to be in that kind of area. But if I, it still feels like there should be somebody off him, if you know what I mean, who's going to make mm. them. Because you saw like with um, their second goal, like that was striker's goal. He knew where to be and it's just piss easy, right? And it just, yeah. it just feels like we're not making the most of that, um, which kind of brings me to 
Um, my, my next point, I, I think we have to kind of talk about uh, uh, the captain again, Mr. Mr. Uh, like Andre Rampersat. So this game, as you mentioned, you, you, you kind of saw more playing as a 10. Um, he had that amazing chance in this the second half to kind of put us in the in the lead. Is he able to play that role? Like the thing is, like you know, I, I know we've kind of said like we've talked about it before, and it's kind of like being uh, he's growing into it, blah 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 blah. But scoring goals is not his game. I mean, he scored one goal, I think, for the Wanderers in how many seasons? Four or five seasons now. So, is it working? Oh, I, th- I think he was actually more of a double pivot six in this in this game. Um, I, I think he has been over the past few weeks. He's been he's been kind of box to box, but I think his starting position has been like at the base of the midfield because we've been using Ferrazzo in like an attacking winger position, and he's been forming the top of the box from from that area and allowing Rampi and Lorenzo to sit. And I think an interesting thing we've done with Rampi recently as well, because you have like things like the Pacific game and the and the Cavalry game where he loses a ball in a central turnover and they've scored within five seconds. So what I noticed on Saturday was he he was pulling wide right to receive the ball a lot. So Lorenzo, it was like, right, that's your area in the middle of the pitch, Lorenzo. You control that space. Rampy is is part of the double pivot, but he's going to do it quite wide right. And I think they're just trying to protect him by allowing him to receive the ball in areas where he's probably not going to be pressed as much. And if he does lose it, there's a lot less risk. And I think they're doing that because he he looks to me like a player who is massively low on confidence. Yeah. And it's it's weird because I've never seen him low on confidence before. So I think Stephen Hart was a coach who gave players a lot of autonomy to kind of express themselves on the pitch and have free roles. And that really suited Rampy because he just kind of like trot about where he wanted to be, be creative, do a little jink and, and play that way. And it really lent into his qualities. But I think what we've got now with Patrice and the, the current setup is is positional play. And within those positions, you have responsibilities, not only on the ball, but massive, massive responsibilities off the ball as well. Like Rampy now is not only kind of playmaking from the base of midfield, he's also off the ball, pulling out defenders, trying to create space between the lines for our more creative players, pulling wide to like open up space centrally. He's got all of these things to think about. And I think he's relearning the game. Like at 28 years old, honestly, I think he's relearning how to play the game because he's never had to massively focus on this other stuff. And it's just kind of like when you get a computer or something with too many tabs open, it starts to slow down a little bit, doesn't it? And yeah. I think that's that's kind of what's going on with him at the moment. Like he's having to think about about like loads more. His confidence is low, and like you saw his reaction when he missed that yeah. when he missed that chance. Like like that was that was a I'm not it wasn't an overreaction because it was a massive chance, but like that was someone who's feeling it a little bit, and yeah. I, I I think. I think if he wasn't the captain, he'd have probably been sat out for a game or two just to kind of just to find himself again, because he's such a good player. But I th- I think he's struggling a bit at the moment, and I always I'm always concerned that they're worried it will be too much of a story if they kind of sit him for a game. And I like and I, and I really really thought that was an Aiden Daniels game on Saturday as well. Like yeah. we were playing against a low block, and you beat a low block by switching the point of attack and by having players that can break the lines by dribbling. Aiden Daniels would have been really, really good. So I, I I think we're kind of getting to that point now where he might sit for a game or two just to kind of get his head back. Because he's he's great. He's a great, great player. So he just needs to he needs to rediscover himself, I think. 
I, th- I think he might have a game coming up with uh, Trinidad and Tobago. So okay, yeah, because I, I know they were talking about um, uh, Malcolm Shaw uh, being like being called up. So uh, that might be the the break he needs to kind of uh, boost his confidence and, mm. and come back. But then on the flip side, I like to try and be like obviously a little bit more positive. You know, we we, we had uh, Geraldo like come in like uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and. He's just so grown into the team. He's like such a good player, and he's—I I think he's uh, fits the system so well. He just—he's hmm. just—he's just an engine. He's a chaos agent, isn't he? Yeah. So, like, I feel he's—he's he's not a clean player in any way. Like he's messy and he's chaotic, and he's like kind of a midfield Luis Suarez. Like you know, Suarez used to like bumble through, and you—you you wouldn't think he had it under control, but he'd sort of bumble through. And uh, Giraldo's got a bit of that in him, him as well. Like his his pass completion percentages are not good, but you can't miss him when you're watching him, can you? you can't take your eyes off him, and he's unpredictable. Um, I think he he'll probably once we become familiar with him, he'll probably frustrate us a lot. But frust- but that's a good thing because we have a lot of technical passes, so you need someone who's just a bit a bit metal, a bit like he's a bit heavy metal. He's surrounded by like folk singers, <laughs> and he's a bit heavy metal. And just what's what's the Muppet? Um, the the Muppet Animal. the place. Yeah, he's a bit like that, isn't he? It's like te- fucking tears through and like breaks things, but. And I, and, I, and I think he's still a player who had a long time out, who didn't play much football for the past year and a half. So, like, the, technically, the touch and that will come back. And but yeah, there's 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 a player there, and I'm I'm excited to see his development. He, he had like a, a great effort there in the oh that this, one, this, mate. yeah, that uh, that one in oh Jesus, it, like that's kind of what, what like what what we kind of want to see. But then he obviously missed. A, a, like a glare and header, which he should have buried too, you know. And and yeah, I, I guess this is kind of bringing into the next thing is that you know, like we had thirty two goal attempts, I think, in that those two games, uh, Pacific uh, combined, um, which is a lot. Um, we'd one goal, so we're like mm-hmm. we're cre- it feels like again like the beginning of last year where we were creating an awful lot and just not scoring. So I'm not trying to. Put you on the spot and say do Patrice's job, but like, <laughs> where, 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 where are we missing compared to everybody? Like, it, it just something's not clicking. You like we've, we've created so, like we're creating so many chances, but we're just not scoring goals again. Mm. And I mean, we've we talked about this last season when the similar thing was happening, and how it's it's the coach's job to get players into those positions where they have good chances to score, and I think like the way we're playing is allowing that to happen. But then like that, the rampy chance, like what, what can, what can you say about that? Yeah, like, I know. Like it's a terrible, it's a fantastic save. I didn't think it was a good save at first. I thought he just hit it straight at him, but Melvin, is it Melvin his name? Yep. Yep. He, yeah, he did stick out an arm, didn't he? And save it. But like yeah, from a coach's perspective, you've, you've done the work on the training ground there. You've kind of, you've devised a really, really smart set piece routine. That's amazing. That completely worked perfectly. Yeah. And then it's just a case of your captain, one of your technically best players, just not being able to finish one of the easiest chances he'll have in his entire career. Like not to go too hard on him, <laughs> but like he knew it as well. Um, and it's like, so the last two games, we've got, if we're rounding up, we've kind of had an XG of two. So four over the two games and we've scored one. Um, I, I kind of, 
I put I do put stock into XG. I know a lot of people don't like it as a statistic, but if you just look at it purely as a way of telling you how many chances you got big chances you kind of had in a game. So we should we should we've got we should have scored two in the last two games and we're getting into the positions to do it, but yeah, for whatever reason, it's just I I don't know what like I said, the coaches have done their job. It's just when you get into the box and have just a keeper to beat from eight yards. You just put your fucking laces through it and smash it in. Yeah, and you know they kind of mentioned uh, on the commentary that you know obviously when the the window opens back up again, do they try and like bring in a strike like another striker? Yeah. Like, like is that the solution? Like it, the the problem is is that with, like most of the the strikers in the league are not scoring goals. It's it's like it's been barren. I mean, like look at York. It's like there are two strikers I don't think have like have scored a goal yet. So it's not just a Halifax problem with the the strikers, but other t- other teams are having people chip in from other areas, and that was a problem again for us like last year and the year before, where we don't have anybody kind of scoring, you know, seven eight goals from midfield that we kind of need. So it's just I can I can kind of sense people's frustration a little bit with what's like going on. It kind of feels more of the same, but. I just I look at the chances we're creating and some of the interplay was fantastic. I thought against uh, Ottawa. Mm. Well, we've talked about it before. Our wide forwards will score the most goals for us because of the way we play. So I think it's like a little bit football manager, isn't it, to just assume there's a fifteen to twenty goal yeah. season <laughs> striker just just waiting to come and play in the Canadian Premier League. <laughs> true. Like that that player does not a fifteen to twenty goal Premier League. Sorry, Canadian Premier League player is playing as a third choice striker in MLS or second choice in MLS. Like that's the reality and earning a lot more money than they'd earn in our league. So that's why you never have strikers. Like, like the only strikers to ever score a lot of goals in a season here or what, like Morelli, who was basically given the keys to the city. Like he was allowed to do whatever the fuck he wanted for us to the detriment of the rest of the team. Like, it, people didn't really talk about that at the time, but it was to the detriment of the rest of the team. That's how he scored so many goals. And Diaz, who was sold within about six months of scoring all those goals, because yeah. he, like, again, if you can score that many goals in this league, you shouldn't be in this league. So that player, I don't know if that player exists. Um, it'd be lovely if we could just go out there in, in August and go, oh, we found this random ecuadorian who's going to come in and <laughs> like, i don't do, i mean do you think that player exists out there like do you think i i i, I do not because I, I think they probably would have been already snapped up and mm. it, I, as you said like that that level of player is probably playing in the mls next pro which they're probably not going to let them come to the premier league anyway because it's kind of almost like a rival league now and mm. if they're in europe it's like paperwork and, and all that kind of stuff so like and his, his, historically the the most successful teams in this league historically have not had one player who scores goals they've had four or five players who score seven or eight goals and that's like we, we're trending that way with Fernandez and Ferrin um I think they'll both kind of hit like six seven goals this season but then you need your you need your tens to chip in as well you need your striker to chip in as well, and that's the goals aren't really coming from those area the pit, areas of the pitch. So that's something we need to fix. If you saw like the York against Forge game when the, the guy scored like the the screamer into the top corner, you know, you know, you look at like some of our players and I, I like some of the shots they're taking, like 
they're they're not going to score like that, and it, it they just don't make any sense. And it's like sometimes you're like, like what's going on here? <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that when that happens, I think we're running out of ideas against yeah. a, low, a low block because we've we've come up a lot against a lot of teams who they know exactly how we play. Um, they know how to score. Like so, again, going back to how we play, if we're playing against a team in a low block, there's two ways they're going to score against us. They're either going to turn us over centrally in a transition, or they're going to go long early because like if you look at the first goal against us the other day it's because we were in the middle of an attacking phase we were in our attacking shape of three two five with loads of space down our fullback positions and they just went early and long and scored that way so teams know against us if they sit in a low block like they'll have some joy so we need to figure out how to score against a low block and one of the options there is long shots but yeah like you said we don't really have anyone who Oh, Daniel's, Daniel's quite a few, yeah. yeah, a few USL goals from yeah. from range, but yeah, yeah, like like just looking at like the you know just kind of uh, like go back to the point I made, you know, like when uh, that long ball came in and they won that that header to flick on. Like, if you look at the way that Malcolm Shaw, like he'd already got like three or four yards on mm. Lockery because he was expecting the flick on, and I think that's that's where. The striker in the striker's instinct comes in, and that's where we're missing. Like you know, I don't think if that had been flipped around, I don't think we would have had a player that would have taken that gamble. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of where we're 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 lacking a little bit. But like you know, Patrice said in the press conference afterwards that after that first goal went in, he just he was disappointed that like the heads went down. The the second goal was kind of inevitable. So did did you feel that? Because I, I I thought um. The last 10 minutes or so, I thought we, we played pretty decent. You know, we had a couple of good chances that we created. I thought Callum Watson did pretty well. He kind of made mm-hmm. some nice little runs in behind and stuff like that. But did you see us kind of like drop our heads a little bit? I think it more happened after the Rampy miss, to be honest, which yeah. which was a shame because we were we were really building up some, some momentum then. And we were it was kind of wave after wave of attacks. Yeah. And if you watch the best teams, when they get into those moods, they kind of expect to miss big chances because they know another wave is coming in the next two minutes. But I thought after that missed chance, it was there's almost a sense of like, oh God, our moment, that's our moment. It's gone. We're not going to create anything else. And that was a disappointing thing. I, I actually thought like the response to the goals was quite good. I, I, I felt like second half, for the, for the entire second half, minus the 70 to 75th minute, we were really good. But yeah, if you if you don't if you don't score from eight yards out, then you're probably not going to win those games. Fernandez again, like top top player. I think he's still like I think uh, uh, Jordan Wilson had said on the the commentary a couple of weeks ago when we were playing against Pacific that he thought that um, the Pacific's one of their left backs was or right backs was one of the best in the league. I was the best in the league. I think Fernandez is the yes. best uh, right back. Right. Made me laugh with that. The fucking commentator, um, not the, the co-commentator. Sorry, um, was Terry Dunfield. Dunfield. Yeah, yeah. He was he was talking about why we hadn't scored, and he was saying, "Oh, the thing is, like, like they're a team who they don't commit enough numbers into attack. They their fullbacks always stay back." I was like, "Are you fucking watching this game?" Like. Zach Fernandez is a fullback and he's basically playing as a right striker. Like he's the furthest thing from a fullback who's staying back. So that was I, a really weird thing to say. I, I, I t- like I honestly like um you know I think I think Adam Jenkins got like an awful lot of stick in the, the first season or the second season whenever he kind of started. And he's kind of really grown into the best commentator in the league. Um uh the guy that was on 
the call on on Saturday. Is it Chris McKee or something like that? Like, uh, yeah, I've never heard I, of him. I, yeah, I think he's new. I think this is like I think it's the second time I've heard him call a game. And but he was like calling like Jan Filion, like Yannick Filion, and he was getting like <laughs> the names wrong. And then he like a half time he started talking about like him and his buddy went to Carlton University and then started naming all the nightclubs they used to go to Jesus. in Ottawa back in the day. And I was like, what the, f- like, where, where, like, he's naming off like 10 nightclubs. It was just really bizarre. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, like I just felt like, you know, like when you go to the pub and somebody's just like had too many of them, they're just like, yeah, rambling. yeah. I was like, for fuck's sakes. Who's, who's the, the, like the very like upper class sounding English guy they have on some Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Ollie Platt. Oh, sorry. Oliver no, Platt. not. No, not Ali Platt. Um, they actually have like an actual commentator. Oh yes, I know what I, I don't know his name. I can't remember his name. I know the one you're talking about. I like because he sounds. You know when you like hear radio clips from the fifties. It's like that's <laughs> uh, the, the top, <laughs> a top game, and a right knees up between these competitors, and is that sort of you know commentates like that is really funny. Like with a monocle on the cup. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> So, you, you know, like, obviously, we, uh, th- just before we kind of looked towards uh, Saturday, um, who was your man of the match in this game? Jan. Jan, actually. I, I mean, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think him, I know you're letting two goals, but I was thinking during the game that how relaxed I feel with him. Yeah. Like, I've, got, I've gone past paying him any attention. I don't stress when they've got a free kick or a corner. I just don't feel stressed at all with him. He just looks like an a competent adult in goal for us. And and when have we ever been able to say that? Like, with all due respect to the keepers we had, who were basically just young kids who were learning their trade. Like, but we've got an adult keeper now who just does his job well. And so, yeah, I think long term, long time coming for him. Really good goalie. Really happy we've got him. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think uh, he, he was fantastic. But I'll, I'll go with Zach Fernandez. I just I just think mm. he uh, he just gives us so many options on the, and he he very rarely like makes a, a miss pass or he, he always kind of seems to know where he wants the ball to go. So yeah, um, so just quickly looking at the Pacific game, I don't want to like, spend too much because it's kind of like a long time ago, but it was like the uh, the redemption game. Um, so what what did you think of the? He made some tough decisions and dropped a, like a bunch of players. Um, do you think that Pacific kind of played into the way, like the way that they set themselves up to, into the way that we like to play? Because they kind of sat off as I felt like a, like for large portions of that game. Well, yeah, we played like 600 passes or something in that game, didn't yeah. we? We ap- yeah. like absolutely dominated them. And I don't think it was by design either. Like I saw some people saying, oh, they had a, they had a game midweek, so they were probably tired. But we also had to fly like across the country midweek, so we were probably tired as well. So I don't, I like, I think if you offered a coach the choice between playing on the Wednesday or flying for 12 hours on the Thursday, they would all choose playing yeah, on the Wednesday. So I don't think that was it. I think we just, it was, it was a really good performance because we needed many, it. Yeah. We, because after the York game, like, I think. Everyone was. Everyone seemed a bit shell shocked after the York game. Actually, it was like, oh Jesus, because I, I, I did not see that performance coming at all. So to bounce back against, like, and I always say, like, I think the away games against Pacific are our toughest games every season because of the travel. So to bounce back with that kind of performance, where we were the protagonists, we controlled the ball, we passed them to death, and I think if that game 
I think if we had equalised in the 74th minute instead of the 84th minute, would have gone on to win it. So, yeah, really good performance and good mentality to come back from from the York game. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think that he played uh, the, the plan perfectly. Um, a mistake led to the goal again, but uh, we kind of kept going and kept going and got the goal that we deserved. So, mm. yeah, I was really pleased with that. So, um, just looking forward to Saturday. Uh, you, you know, I, I've seen a couple of people like mention that it's a must-win game. It just feels crazy that we're here again uh, talking about must-win games. It's getting kind of t- tiresome, <laughs> you know. Um, like, uh, how, how are you feeling about? It? Like, I, I think um, I, I watched the Valor York game, and Valor Valor are actually a really good team this year. They've got some really good players, um, so I think they're going to give us a good game. Um, and I don't think it's going to mm. be as easy if, if people think it's going to be an easy game. It's not. I, I I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, and I I, I don't. It's well, it's definitely not must win from a points perspective because, like the fourth and the fifth places are still very very attainable. First to third are pulling away a little bit, which is surprising. Um, but yeah, fourth and fifth we're still only like a couple of points off those positions, so not not at all must win from a points perspective psychologically though i think it's as close to must win as as you get because it is a home game and i think if we're going to make the playoffs this season we look we're going to have to really figure out the home form quickly because yep. we have got a lot of home games coming up now we've played we've played eight games six of them are away so what we've only got nine away games left for the whole season now that's not many so all of our points are going to come from home games and and I think I really believe, like, maybe I'm naive, but I really believe the second we win a game, we're just going to go on a run. I honestly think that because the the way we're playing as well, if if you inject confidence into that style, then I yeah, I think I think as a project, it's going to bang. I think it's going to go pop as a project. And I'm like, again, maybe I'm naive. Maybe this is just copium, but I, I really believe that. <laughs> like, I, I feel, I felt calm after the Ottawa game because I saw, an, I, again, I saw enough there and I saw enough in the Pacific game where you can see, like it's like peering for a foggy window, isn't it? And you can kind of make out what's outside and it feels a bit like that. You can see what this could be. And it might not be, it might not, we might get to the end of the season and we never actually, that never actually materialized, in which case, fine we move on but I, I don't know I just feel like it is I feel calm about everything and I think if we win on Saturday it's just it, we're just going to really go on a run I really believe that because we've got what like of the next six or seven games four or five are at home I think so now's the time to uh, it feels like it feels like the season is starting on Saturday for me in a way yeah I think maybe uh our, the song before the game should be like, uh, don't worry, be happy. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah, just chill out. You know, just chill out. And, you know, they, they should give everybody like a free beer in the stadium just to kind of chill them out. Wherever that's oh, so. mate, we, we missed like, what, two years through COVID where we couldn't go to any live sports. Like, I think we should all be making a point of enjoying it, even if, even if we, even if we're not winning, like, it's just nice to be back out the Yeah. The footy, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting game. And I think, uh, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I was kind of, I was the opposite view. I was kind of like a little bit downtrodden after the game on on Saturday. I was just like, uh. But then I rewatched the game again, and I I did see 
the the shoots um in mm. the especially in the second half. I know the two goals sucked, um, but yeah, I think there's enough there. So you know, yeah. you know what's happening. I think I think there's a level of PTSD still from the last four years, <laughs> which is but the the problem is like, and I get I I really get that, but there's only two players who like Fernandez and Rampy. It's a completely new set of players. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new club, basically. But I think we still... I don't think we've ever left that point we all got to last season where everything just felt a bit well, shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think we, I don't think emotionally we've recovered from that. Because think- it kind of always feels like... Like you said, it always already feels like must win, which is not. But we feel like that because we're still carrying the baggage of last season, I think. So do you think that like before kickoff they should do like a group therapy session? <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe you can le- maybe you can lead it from the center circle. <laughs> Let's be having here. Deal you have it. All right, buddy. Uh yeah, I'm looking forward to, to Saturday to have some footy back in Halifax. Um and it was great to talk to football with you again. All right, mate. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Get out! Out to fuck!